This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show, live from L.A. Calgary Flames, of course, play tonight. Big game. We can all get into that trap of saying it's the biggest game of the year. And it is, up until tomorrow night's game. But playing the L.A. Kings, a team that's 8-0-2 in their last 10 at home, not an easy task, and uh, the Calgary Flames know they've got to win. They got a huge favor done for them yesterday by both teams who they're in the race with. Winnipeg loses. They get skunked. So does Nashville. So Flames four back of Winnipeg, one up on Nashville. Points with six of their last seven for the Calgary Flames. But none of it matters unless they get a win tonight. So to discuss that and so many other things, our two guests today, we start off with Greg Millen, and our second half will have Megan Mickelson, both We'll be here to break down some of the Flames' developments, but also tell some great stories. And we will kick off on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline with our first guest, a master of storytelling, Greg Millen. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm not so sure about that, Eric, but uh, we're okay. How's, how's L.A. doing? I miss you in L.A. today. We miss you too, buddy. Uh, it is uh, 16 degrees and overcast, or maybe oh. it's smog. I can't, I can't really tell. In LA, but it's uh, it's so nicer than Calgary. You're not poolside doing. You're not poolside doing this then today. That's disappointing. No, but no, no, and I'm not. Nor, <laughs> nor, Millsy and I went out for dinner the other day, and he recommended. Where were we? We were in Tempe, and you recommended the bacon wrapped meatloaf, and I've never regretted anything I ate in my life so much. It was tasty going down. Great call, great call, but boy, did I struggle that night with it. <laughs> now, now, did I warn you though, Eric? You did. You a fair you did. warning. Yes, just for the record. Yes. You are a wily veteran. You knew. You told me, and I didn't listen. So <laughs> it was a tough. It was a tough evening for yeah. me. So if it makes you feel anything, <laughs> it, it might have been worth it. <laughs> yeah, it sure was. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the Flames. I, I want to uh, dig in on a number of different things, but I, I think first of all, I want to talk about Nazem Kadri. He's going to get a couple new line mates tonight. Apparently, he wasn't happy on the weekend. I don't need to say apparently. He played 12 minutes and then 13 minutes in consecutive games. Who would be happy with that when you're the big free agent signing in the summer? Uh, does it surprise you to hear reports that Kadri kind of exploded on Saturday and said he'd had enough of this? I'm glad he did. Perfect. I think yeah. that's exactly yeah. what the coach was looking for. Um, I think Nadri, or, or Nazi as a, as a player has to have an edge. And he has to play uh, that way to be a successful player. Uh, earlier in the year, he was doing it. He's got to be nasty. He's got to go to the net. He's got to get under the opposition's skin and play right on the very edge, which in the past, of course, has put him in the doghouse. But I think he's got to mm-hmm. be there. And of late, uh, you know, we've watched him go down the wing, you know, blast away. And uh, I think it's fair to say that the coach is looking for a little bit more than that. And, uh so message sent, message received, and we'll see how he responds tonight. He is uh, going to be playing on a line. This is It's interesting because he's been playing on the fourth line and been playing very little minutes. But tonight he's going to play, according to the skate this morning that I was just at, Peltier on one side, Dubé on the yeah. other. I would. Yeah. That sounds like where he should be at. I mean, I think sending that message by putting him on the fourth line, you're right, maybe it was done to elicit a response. We're going to see the real response tonight when he's got real wingers with him. 
No, no question. And uh, I think so, not so much the the players he was playing with, but also the minutes he received. So there was it was a mm-hmm. double-edged sword, right? He had he got it he got it both ways from the coach. So tonight uh, it'll be interesting to see Pelche back. I, I didn't mind the move to let him to let him sit for a little bit. I, I felt personally he was hitting a bit of wall a, a bit of a wall also. So you know why not give the kid a little bit of time to regroup? And, and as you know, Eric, too the practice time right now is almost impossible so when you have a young player that may be off a little bit and you want to give them a little bit of practice time and get a skill level back up a little higher it's impossible almost unless you sit them out because you just don't practice so a little bit of both on that one and so now we've got two players that are fairly motivated on the same line tonight and uh doesn't that sound like daryl sutter to you (laughs) yeah pushing buttons absolutely one of it's classic yes It sure does. And, and, and when you look at the way this season has gone, uh, you know, Kadri and Huberto's struggles have been one thing, but the, the big question is why all the overtime failures? And I think everybody wants to kind of just point at one thing or have a, a very easy explanation for how they can lose 15 times in extra time. Do you have a theory on why? I mean, the common one is that they just don't have the finishers. Is that the way you see it? Well, why don't, why don't we think about that, you know, for a moment. Uh, Dubé, great player, love him. Is he a finisher? Mm, probably not. Coleman, you could say the same. Mangiapane, maybe he's playing what he should be playing at in terms of his level. Uh, last mm-hmm. year might have been a career year for him. I mean, stay tuned. Obviously, Toffoli, a natural scorer. Lindholm, a wonderful two-way center. Mm, natural score um, that could be debated last year he was set up in position a all season long mm-hmm. and he didn't miss from there who is <laughs> a passer uh, but he can shoot the puck we need more from him and then you go down to the fourth line uh, so if, if you put that all together uh, the answer might be they might need one or two more uh, up front and i think that uh, everybody may agree with that that in terms of a natural uh, players that can can game break and put you uh, and put you over the top, as what happened to them the other night. I mean, uh, you know, Robertson comes up with a game breaking play, and those are the plays you might need in a three on three that uh, the Flames have not had the luxury to have uh, as much as they would probably like. Should should Kadri be that guy? Like you didn't you didn't mention him in your list of guys, and I, I like your rundown. I agree. None of them are you know naturally gifted goal scorers. Don't we kind of think that Kadri was being paid or at least been put in a position to be that game breaker kind of guy? Yeah, he is. But I mean, if you took, if you, if you look at the example of when he's scoring, normally he's scoring, going to the net, you know, hit him in the butt, uh, you know, be nasty on a rebound play. Yeah. He can shoot the puck and he shoots the puck in a lot, but probably not naturally, if you will. And certainly not, visually in terms of playmaking uh he's a shooter when he does get a chance he doesn't like to pass it much in those scenarios i from what i've seen this year anyway so yes and no uh yes and no on a three on three on a five on five situation absolutely on a three on three situation yes but maybe if you will based on the style of play that he plays and so i i think that's the best way i could answer that eric is that uh, depends on the scenario, depends on the situation. On a three-on-three, I would say less so than a five-on-five based on the way he normally scores when he's playing the way he can play. Interesting. That makes Interesting. sense. We're ta- 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, we're talking to Greg Millen from Sportsnet. Uh, he's not on this trip, but he's often on the trip with us this year. I was just going to ask you that on as a bit of a side note. How are you enjoying? Sure. I know you've been doing it for a couple of years, but you, you, it's kind of your beat now. I mean, you've been doing Calgary a whole lot more than you ever have. How are you enjoying just being kind of a, a Flames analyst more than any other team? Yeah, I mean, I don't want this to sound like, you know, here's a guy going off because, you know, Calgary fans are listening and so on. But I have really enjoyed this year, <laughs> more than a, a number of years. Uh, first of all, I've got one of the best, if not the best, certainly one or one A, in my opinion, country, play-by-play uh, -play guy in the country in Rick Ball. And not only that, he likes a steak and wine, which I don't mind. So it's been fun off the ice as well <laughs> uh, with, with him. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, of course, uh -huh. yourself, Eric, and, 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 and everybody else involved with our, with our broadcast team, whether it be uh, producers, whether Ryan, who's a, is a ton of fun as well. So that part has been mm -hmm. really enjoyable. And to have Rick beside me is, is just a, a treat, to be honest with you. And then if you know if you go to the rest of the organization, you know Peter and and, and all the guys that, have, that that work behind the scenes, and everybody's just been really good to me and made me feel at home. So the you know the answer is uh, I think probably this year I've had more fun this season and and, and a bit of last year when I and I did it than uh, than a long time. Uh, so it's been almost like a, a breath of fresh air for me towards the end of my career. And uh, hopefully the Calgary fans have uh, been able to put up with me. Kelly does a great job, and uh, he's a good friend, and, and it's been nice uh, for me to fill in when he's been away. So I, I don't want it to sound like I'm going over the top on that particular answer, but I, I can honestly tell you not, that's not the first person that I've told this to. So there you are. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are a good group. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we, no, no, it's a lot of fun really on the road. Are. You really are. You know, we, no, we, you are. You're a lot of we, fun. And uh, <laughs> not only that, you know, not only are we all a lot of fun, but we all have a great passion for the game. And, and you know, yeah, we have to do our job in terms of analyzing the Calgary Flames. But I think if, if we quietly all, you know, admitted this, uh, we'd all be wanting them like crazy to get in the playoffs and have a great run. It's good for Calgary. It's great for the city. And it's certainly great for us. Well, there you are. Oh, there you go. Well, I appreciate that. So we sure love having you. Uh, you know, your your analysis on the game is 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 uh, right up there with the best in the business. And 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 I I wonder if that's something that came naturally to you, or is that something that over the years developed? I mean, I know you played in the league a long time, and you got to know the game obviously very well there. But did it take a while for you to kind of get to a comfort level as a broadcaster as well? Yeah, I remember Harry Neal telling me I broke in. When I broke in, I talked to two people right off, right at the start, John Davidson and Harry Neal, uh, and asked them to go to lunch to pick their brain. And, and, and Harry said to me, he said, it's 100 games before you even begin to feel comfortable. And I found that interesting. And, you know, it was, he was probably about right uh, to, get it, to get your feet wet and, and to feel comfortable. And then I've had such, like, I've been so lucky. I mean, Rick Briggs, Jude, and, and Michael Lansbury was a director, not the, not the one on air who was a longtime director. And both of those two were my first two in Ottawa. And I only had to do 30 games, which was probably good because uh, I took my time and, 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 you know, paid my dues that way. And then, of course, everybody will tell you the same thing. I mean, John Shannon, uh, behind the scenes, uh, what a wonderful coach and television person he is. So to have him uh, critique me to the point where I still get phone calls and texts, uh, you know, what the heck did you say that for and so on. 
so uh, I've been very fortunate to have uh, good teachers along the way. Not only teach me about trying to be an analyst or decent one, or what you, but also try to teach you about television and how it works. And the other thing that I had great advice on was to go spend some time in a television truck and actually find out how it works. And uh, I think that everybody that's coming into this business might want to do that because it, it really gives you a leg up in terms of how amazing these people are in the truck and what they do throughout the course of a day. And also gives you a, a bit of an appreciation for how television actually works. And uh, any fan that has a chance to go in a television truck, I would highly recommend it. It's like air traffic control in there. and it, It's really quite fascinating. It is like nothing you'll ever see in your life. I, I remember <laughs> when it when I did a couple of years on Hockey Night Canada with the hot stove, I would stay after my hit for two, three hours and, and even into the second game and just sit in that that control room, the war room, whatever you want to call it, a million shiny buttons, a million monitors, and controlled chaos is probably the best way to describe it. They all know mm -hmm. what they're doing, but when you're just sitting there watching, you're like, what is going on here with all the different orders and, and all that? It That is really good advice to sit in there and and watch the air traffic controllers uh, move things around because then, then as a broadcaster, you also get a, a good feel for it as well. Well, and that's what I've always enjoyed about your work too, Eric, is that uh, you understand television and you understand being on camera and all the little things along the way, and, and it makes a difference. Uh, it, it makes a huge difference. It's one thing to, to try to spit out uh, facts that the fans will enjoy, but to present it in a way that's A, entertaining, and B, you're not looking the wrong way at the camera and you understand how replays work and so on. It's it's a big part of the business that we often don't, you know, think about enough i think sometimes so yeah well i appreciate that tell, tell me why rick ball is so good what oh, makes boy. him so good well number one he started in he started in the western hockey league and paid his dues in junior hockey rode the bus mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. when you do that not only do you, you become good at your craft but you also understand how coaches work what to say to coaches what not to say coaches and scrums uh you understand hockey people uh, because you're you're riding the bus on a daily basis with them, when to get in the way and certainly when not to get in the way, uh, and we all know <laughs> about that. So I, I think that's that's one thing that's that, that Rick brings to the table. And then you you take all that experience that Rick has in that regard, and now you put it at the National Hockey League level, and he has uh, something that's very difficult to teach, and all the great ones have, and I call it he sings an opera. He knows when to bring the game up. He knows when to bring the game down. He's not screaming mm -hmm. the entire night. He's not screaming at the wrong time when nothing's really happening. Uh, he has the ability to do the Bob Cole, as I call it, and the, the ability to, to bring a game up and to bring a game down. And uh, that's an art. And the other thing I'll say about Rick is he's always prepared, which goes without saying. Uh, we all watch games. I know you do, Eric. I do as well. And, and Rick does also. You have to watch. And uh, he knows the league well. He has a great deal amount of respect for, uh, for everybody around him, including coaches and managers, which is important. And more than anything else, he's a real good person. So if you put that all together, you you got a you got a pretty good package. And I can tell you, uh, he's a he's a national guy, and Calgary are uh, are very fortunate to have him. I, I think the fans know that, but uh, he's yeah. a real easy listen. Uh, he's a real easy listen, and and for me. 
just not to get too winded on this because you got me all fired up. But for me, it's so easy when you have somebody beside you you can trust that you know that, you know, if you make a mistake, and goodness knows I make a lot of them, he can correct you right away or vice versa. Hopefully I can do the same. I mean, in the course of a broadcast, we're not perfect. And sometimes we have little tiny monitors. We can't see a thing up in the booth. Uh, Sometimes they're not even HD. And the guy at home has this huge HD 60-inch TV that says, how come Millen missed that? (laughs) Well, probably one of them (laughs) blind. And and number two, because sometimes (laughs) you just can't see properly where we are. And to have a partner with you that will have your back, you know, you might make a mistake. Maybe it's a rule thing you've forgotten about. You have a brain cramp, whatever it is. And you have a partner that knows the game as much as, as well as Rick does. And uh, it, it certainly is a, is a great comfort level for, for anybody that, that works together as a team. And nobody is armed with more 80s and 90s pop culture than Rick Ball. That guy, I, I feel like he saw every episode of Family Ties, Cosby Show, and every other show in the 80s and 90s. And the references and you know from what, it uh, come flying at you. And you know what's so funny about it, like, I am, and he just laughs at me because I'm the all-time, like, of all people in the world, he knows enough not to throw any of that stuff at me on the air. I don't even watch <laughs> the local shows today that my wife watches every night because I'm watching games. So, you know, he can uh, ask that's me. Funny. So, so he knows that I'm hopeless when it comes to actors and actresses and sitcom, you know, shows. Yeah. Now I call them sitcoms. They're not even that anymore. I mean, all that stuff. I, I couldn't tell you anything. Yeah. So, it's pretty funny when Rick, you know, he looks at me and just shakes his head like, really? Are you that stunned? And yeah, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I love the, I love the way you, you, you term it, like yeah, he sings the opera. Like I, what I've always said about Bob Cole, who's the gold standard, I, I, I still think in, 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 in the sport, is the way I look at it is this. If I, Saturday night's... Saturday night game going on. I've got it on in the background in my living room. I'm doing other stuff. But Bob is always good at letting me know, you better look up right now because things are getting, you know, it's it's a time to look up. Put it that way. We're building up to something. And and he's he. you never miss a goal with Bob, even if you're not watching the game, because he preps you for it, leads into it, and you can see the goal coming. And that is a real skill to kind of understand the temperature of a game and when it gets to a point that, hey, you need to be looking up right now because uh, someone's probably about to score. Yeah, I got so many. The one that always comes to mind, Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick. Joe Sackick in the Olympics. You know, it was an unbelievable call. And I'll tell you a little story about Bob because I had the, uh, the honor of being with him a number of years. And he told me once, he said what he did as a young broadcaster, he'd put pictures on the floor in his living room of different situations that would happen in a game. And then he'd he'd start to call the pitchers as they were important. In other words, there might be a picture of a player just standing there. There might be another player just about to shoot in the goal. There might be a great save. And he would switch the pitchers around when he was learning how to broadcast so that he could bring it up and down the way he thought he could. And that quote about the opera is from him. It's not from me. Uh, That's, that's the way he said, now, Greg, you sing like an opera and you bring it up and you bring it down. And I can still hear him. Yeah. That and the lecture I get every cab ride saying, don't get in the way of the game, Greg, the fans want to watch the game. Let me do it. When the play stops, you can get in, but you better get out by the time the puck goes back down. (laughs) 
Interesting. And you I know, can tell you, I feel less is better. You know, mm-hmm. why try to put uh, five pounds in a 10-pound bag? And um, sometimes I think in today's world, because of the Internet, because of all the things that the information that we have available to us now, we all think that we got to get it in because it's there, because the fan might know. Well, mm-hmm. I disagree with that. I would rather try to entertain and try not to get in the way of what we're really trying to do, and that's the show is the players, not us in the booth. They're the show. Yeah, They're absolutely. the great ones. And, and, and I and, feel very strongly about that. So I may not talk as much as many, but uh, that's, that's by design. Well, and I, I remember if you go back and you I remember during COVID, we'd watch these old games that, I mean, there's nothing else to put on the, on the, the yeah. broadcast. So, and, you know, Harry Neal, who I grew up idolizing, I thought he was, his turn of phrase was as good as it was. There was, I thought, and, but you watch these old broadcasts and they've come a long way and, and not to throw shade at, at Harry Neal, my, my childhood idol, but like, you know, the, the break would come on and they'd show Rick Vive and they'd say, well, there's Rick Vive. And, and he'd say, uh, last year he had uh, 22 goals and 43 assists in 80, 80 right. games. And uh, he was plus seven. Like who yeah. care if you're, if you're reeling off numbers to me, that's a crutch. Tell me a story. I want to know a story, an anecdote, uh, something funny, something serious, something touching, something poignant mm-hmm. about that player, or else don't tell me about him at all. If the only thing you can give me are his numbers, I can get that on the internet. I don't need you to do that for me. Is that the way you look at it? Yeah, I would. I would agree. And and as you know, Eric, too, though the, the the challenge now, and it's it's a big one, and this is where you know your homework and trying to you know a really good producer helps as well. But we're not getting access to the players the way we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, since COVID in particular, now they're stringing them out one at a time. Now, and, and saying that, if you want a player, especially in the Calgary group, you know they'll give them to you and get them for you and have a one-on-one. But uh, it's changed uh, in terms of we used to sit in the stall and I would try to hide away from you know all the beat writers and everybody and find out a little bit more that often I wouldn't use all of it on the air, but it would give me it would help me paint a picture of what was going on. Yeah. That's become a little more challenging, as you know, Eric. And uh, that's, it's too bad. It's too bad that in, it's happened this way. I blame cell phones. I blame social media. I don't blame the players. Now the message is being protected by the, uh, by the media folks. And, and it's mostly, in my eyes anyway, due to social media because everybody's a little bit afraid of it. And by the way, so am I. So I, I, I kind of <laughs> get it. I kind of yeah. get it. And uh, but it's it's too bad that it's evolved that way. And, you know, social media has its place, but it certainly has hurt a lot of things in this world, I think. And that might be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. Tell me about uh, last question. I'll let you go. And I appreciate your time today, my friend. But it's great. There was a there was a I was going to say a stranger, but there was a, a new face in the locker room today going around talking to every player in the room. Uh, his name, he didn't need to be introduced. It's Lanny McDonald. He's on this trip oh, yeah. with Colin Patterson. There's a bunch of advertisers here, and uh, they're just entertaining them, just being wonderful ambassadors, as they always are. But Lanny came into the room, and he didn't address the group, you know, as a whole. He just kind of went around the room one by one, was shaking hands, and, you know, it was interesting just watching him interact with these guys and just be, you know, the greatest ambassador this franchise has ever had. Tell me a Lanny story, because you played against him all these years. You've known Lanny forever. 
We know he's a class act. Is there a story that comes to mind about that that you'd like to tell us? Uh, geez, you know, I, I, I didn't get to know Lanny as well as I would have liked to. We didn't cross paths okay. uh, very often uh, in my career. Certainly, you know, playing against him was a handful. I mean, that goes without saying. His, his competitive spirit uh, was, was second to none when he, when he hit the ice. The, the one thing I'll say about Lanny, and, and you really touched on it, and I guess it's something that everybody knows, but Lanny has time for everybody. And, and he did today, obviously, as well when he walked in the room. And great players, nine times out of ten, have a very high level of humanity. Not always, but the stars that are known to be uh, more than just hockey players always have that high level of humanity in their character. And Lanny would be, I would suggest, top of the list in terms of that. Like he actually, when you talk to Lanny, he really does care about you and asks about you, not just talks about himself, which in this day and age sometimes is a bit of a, a, bit of a lost art. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not knowing Lanny the way I would like to know him, I certainly know him to say, hey, Lanny, how you doing? And have a great chat. But I think that, that uh, one of all the great athletes, you know, even Wayne, Wayne's the same way, all the good ones have that piece of humanity that uh, uh, which makes them such great team players and also makes them... Uh, so wanted in a locker room and so wanted in a community. And I think Lanny would be uh, top of the list in all of those attributes. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here. I agree. He's uh, he certainly is a, I wouldn't even call him just a Calgary treasure. He's a national treasure. I mean, you, you watch him interact with people in Toronto where he's still a legend Uh, around the league. I would say that the, He's every bit as legendary as, as there is in the National Hockey League today. So, yeah. uh, I well mean, put, he never friend. seems to be in a bad mood. I mean, it's great. I don't know. No. It's pretty cool. <laughs> no, and I've, I've golfed with him, and he's played, you know, he's had some rounds where he wasn't playing his best. And <laughs> he's still in a great mood. He's just happy to be out there. So, that's good. Hey, listen, uh, that's, that's, that's my golf game on a regular basis, Eric. If you ever, have the, uh, <laughs> if you ever dare play with me, which I wouldn't suggest, but there you go. No. I, I can screw up pretty much anybody's golf game out in, out in the course of 18, 18 holes. So. Okay. Well, we'll put that to the test. We'll try to get out this summer. <laughs> That'd be good. Okay. I love it. <laughs> All right, my man. Uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you again in Calgary. I'm not sure when you're doing the next broadcast, but uh, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there Saturday. I look forward to it. And hopefully by then the flames are in the playoff spot. That would be beautiful. So let's hope that happens. And uh, I'll be checking tonight's out. That's for sure. And uh, it's a tough game and a tough schedule, but uh, who knows? We'll see how it goes. They're playing pretty we'll, well right now. That's the good news. Exactly. They've been playing pretty well for a while here. So they sure. Have. Okay. They have. Thanks, my man. I appreciate Thanks. it, Millsy. We'll okay, talk to you again soon. Enjoy LA. Talk Thanks, soon. man. Yeah. Cheers. Right. There he is, Greg Millen, Flames analyst. You'll see him on the broadcast Saturday uh, for the Flames game, and uh, of course tonight, Flames play eight thirty puck drop here in LA against the LA Kings. The Kings are eight zero and two in their last ten. They have been red hot. It's a tough task for the Flames, but there's an opportunity there. They watch both the teams that they're battling with get skunked yesterday and that's got to be uh that's got to put a bit of a bounce in their step in the dressing room today they had uh they were saying all the right things they sure seem like they're pretty focused and uh we will come back i want to share the message that lanny mcdonald had for the team today when i spoke to him we'll uh, share that with you in uh, just a few minutes when we come back and megan mickelson will join us too another sports net analyst she's going to be uh here in just a couple of minutes, the Eric Francis Show is brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. 
The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Megan Mickelson. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate the uh, the patience. We normally do this show every Monday at noon, uh, but uh, I'm in L.A., had to be at the morning skate with the Flames today, so we bumped the show a couple hours. So I uh, hope you're enjoying the show if you're listening to it for the first time, and I encourage you to check us out every Monday at noon till one o'clock where we, uh, the focus is on storytelling. I want people to tell stories and, you know, there are a few people in our city that tell better stories or have more uh, insights to offer up in the hockey community than uh, Lanny McDonald. And as I mentioned earlier, he was in the dressing room today, uh, shaking hands with all the players. It was interesting that he's built a relationship with Jacob Pelche on, uh, they were, they've been texting with each other back and forth for a long time now. What a what a just a nice gesture to try and help a youngster uh, feel more comfortable and uh, you know help him assimilate into the this organization this this league, but I, I heard something from Lanny today I'd never heard before I, I asked him what his message was, and I'm gonna call it Lanalytics. His Lanalytics. He said I told everybody, you got 12 games left, you got 20 minutes a night. That's 240 minutes. That's four hours. All we need from you is four of your best hours that you've got and you guys will be just fine. There's your analytics. That's that was the message that he shared with all the guys today. Okay, it's time to bring in our uh, second guest. She's an analyst on Sportsnet. I work with her uh with regularity on the uh, the home broadcast and she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Megan Mickelson, thanks for joining us, Megan. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Eric. I uh I'm not going to lie. I, I thought you would never ask. <laughs> Oh my God. Well, you're so busy and you're out of town a lot traveling. I never know. We scheduled this a month ago. So I thought, I thought it would never happen. So yeah. So thanks for doing this. You must've had lots of interactions with Lanny over the years. Do you have a a Lanny McDonald story you like to share with people? I had a few interactions with him, but it was mostly when I was quite a bit younger actually, and never really, uh, you know, a one-on-one interaction, but I think, for me, when I think of Lanny McDonald, I think of uh, a lot of the stories that you hear people talking about him in just what a, a great person that he is and how much he gives back to the community and gives back to the team. Um, I remember my brother played for the Calgary Flames a number of years ago and and he would uh, you know he would talk about how when he retires that you know if he was ever a, a notable Flames alumni, which he's not. But if he ever was, that's that's the type of alumni uh, player that you want to be. And uh, I really love the story that you just told about the his analytics, because um, that's that's really <laughs> what it comes down to. Seriously, you you put it like in a nutshell. You need every single player to play the best four hours of hockey that they can. Not the best hour, not the best two hours, the best four hours, but. Um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, the, the, the number of stories in terms of what a great person that he is. And I know he stopped by the booth a few times and and chatted with you guys. And, uh, he just sort of, um, he radiates just positivity and, and optimism and, and, you know, 
just a great example of, of, you know, what a great human being looks like. Nobody moves the needle on the concourse like a Lanny McDonald sighting. Like people <laughs> lose their mind. They all want a photo, an autograph, and he's happy to do all that for them, which is part of his, you know, his legendary, uh, you know, demeanor and approach. And but, but I'll tell you who's going to catch up soon if this continues is Chris Sutter. When that guy rocks around on the uh, from from station to station in between his dance numbers, uh, he is posing nonstop for photos, signing autographs, and he absolutely loves it too. It's funny to watch. Yeah, it is. It is. He gets the people going. Oh man, he's a, a staple at Flames games. Uh, okay, listen, you, you mentioned it earlier, and I do want to talk about the Flames a little bit, but I also want to. Daryl Sutter was talking a little bit about today. He was being asked about. Uh, you know, he, lo- he wasn't in a very good mood today. That's a shocker, but he, he, uh, he, he was, he, he just brightens up when, when he gets asked about Anze Kopitar or, or Jonathan Quick or any of the guys here in LA that he won a couple cups with. And then he started talking about guys who are in the NHL, who used to, uh, you know, who, whose fathers Daryl used to play against, like just the, 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 the sons who grow up to be NHLers. You mentioned your brother was a was a Calgary Flame. He won a Memorial Cup. Mm-hmm. He was a hell of a player. Your father uh, played four seasons in the NHL as well. Did did you have much exposure to the NHL when you were a youngster, or or was that later in life when you were born? I didn't have a lot of exposure uh, when I was younger because my dad had retired by the time us kids okay. came around. So yeah, he had retired. That's what I thought. And okay. He was he was done playing, but I mean, in terms of being a young player growing up and, and my dad having played at the NHL level, I think for me, just knowing that, you know, he played at the highest level possible. It was always for me watching the NHL on TV and then my dad saying that he played in the NHL. It was always kind of like a wow uh, factor for me, yeah. you know, and even even if it was my mm-hmm. dad, I was like, oh, my God. I, and still I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's incredible that my dad played in the NHL not many kids can say that and so and being a young kid growing up playing having a an NHL player with that experience you know when I was working on stuff I'm on the outdoor rink you know trying to figure out how to raise a puck or or skate properly whatever it may be to have my dad out there with me and you know he played in the NHL to have someone you know, with that level of experience, giving you pointers. Uh, I know, you know, for me growing up, it was, it was invaluable, but he also like one of the, one of the stories that I tell people is uh, he would always say, he would take my brother and I on the outdoor rink quite a bit. And he would say, you know, the day that you can beat me around the rink, I'll give you, I'll give you 50 bucks. And uh, he's yet to give you that 50 bucks. (laughs) Oh, he hasn't paid up yet. Interesting. He says, he says it's because we haven't made it on the outdoor rink since you've been able to beat me around it. But, uh, I just remember hours and hours and hours and and in particular, just, I, you know, I have a very vivid image and memory in my mind of, you know, standing in, you know, in the slot at an outdoor rink in St. Albert, Alberta. And my, my dad's out there with me and I'm shooting a puck over and over and over again. I'm at the age where I'm trying to figure out how to raise it. Um, and anybody who's, you know, learned to shoot, it's like all of a sudden a, a switch goes off and it clicks and you finally figure it out. And, you know, I remember that. And I just think 
you know, even in my older age, having someone with his experience to be able to to bounce things off of, it's been uh, it's been amazing. That is that is cool. We're talking to Megan Mickelson. She's a Sportsnet analyst and, uh, of course, uh, one of the most decorated uh, hockey players of her time. Well, of all time in the women's game. And, and, and you know, your, you know, all the accolades, uh, your success in university or you know, we call it college down in the States, I know. But uh, <laughs> all your successes, you know, in hockey, I wanted to ask you about about your role as an analyst, like. You know, you've had people teach you along the way to help you a better hockey player like your dad and, and so many great coaches. In terms of broadcasting, is there something, you know, I, I kind of just want to get into how you found the experience and is there something that's quite unexpected that you, you had to deal with as you've uh, gone along the way? Yeah, I think that, you know, and I was just listening to, to you and Milby chat, um, I think that I was very, very lucky in that I was given – I was given an opportunity by Sportsnet and, um, you know, my first game uh, that I covered on a panel was uh, an Edmonton Oilers game. And I'll never forget. I showed up for that game Uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I had watched analysts (laughs) on TV. It was always, it was always something I was really interested in. And I, you know, I've always been a video nerd. I watch as a player, I've, you know, I would get bugged at times for the amount of video that I sat down and watched and I would analyze, I would look at, you know, possessions and, and all of that. So I've always been, you know, analytic in terms of my own game or, you know, whatever team I'm playing on in our games. I love video sessions. I love that sort of thing. But in terms of broadcasting in TV, uh, I had done some radio. I've obviously done a lot of interviews, but I had never been on TV in that capacity. So I showed up and I really didn't know what to expect. And I was on with uh, Gene Principe and he was incredible with me. He was so patient. Um, and I think I found after that game that it was something that, you know, I kind of, I had a bit of a knack for. Obviously I knew I had a ton to learn the amount of hours that, uh, you know, you look at Milsey and, you know, he's been in the business for, 30 years like and you know there's so many amazing analysts and broadcasters out there I was like I I just as soon as I had finished that first game I was like who can I watch who can I talk to who can I listen to that Mm -hmm. can teach me more about this because I knew and I still know you know how much I have to learn and and to me it's always about getting better uh and how can you be better and and bring more for the team because you know, as a as a broadcast, that's what we are. We're a team, and, and you always want to bring your best. Um, so, yeah, I would say, you know, that first game was pretty pivotal for me in terms of just how patient Gene was with me as a host and, and just kind of getting a taste for it and knowing that I had a lot to learn. And then another uh, turning point, and, and Milsey talked about John Shannon and how, um, how great he's been for him throughout his career. So... Uh, I covered the Olympics last year, um, and John Shannon was our, uh, I guess he was our coach behind the scenes. So it was Kate Burnett, Shannon Zabado, and myself that were on the panel covering women's hockey in Beijing. Uh, and John Shannon would sit there with us uh, during the games. We'd watch all the games together, and we would come up with what we were going to talk about. Uh, whether it was pregame, postgame, intermissions, whatever it may be. And one of the big things that he talked about that you and Milby just talked about was that idea around storytelling. 
and that that is what people want to hear about. They want to hear the stories and that if you're going to use numbers, it needs to be because you're telling a story and that those numbers are backing up a story. So like the amount that I learned from John Shannon in those three weeks, it was like a three week crash course yeah. in uh, being on a panel. It was a lot of games in a very short amount of time, but we were coached you know, every single minute of every single day of how we could get better. And it was great because you were getting so many reps in and it was like, you come off air and you're going right back on in another uh, six hours to cover another game. So you could take what you learned and then apply it immediately. So that was, that was huge for me. And he still, he'll text me every once in a while as well and say, why did you say that? Or put a period on the end of your sentence. That was one of the things, because I can, I can tend to talk on and on, which you know from me, having worked with me <laughs> on the panel, I have to put a period on the end of the sentence. So that was one thing John always told me, was put a period on it. So That's funny. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I, I, I love it, but I have a lot to learn. Well, John is a legend, and, uh, you know, one thing that you've obviously been uh, – you come by it naturally, I believe, is just your preparation. You, you, uh, you know, you show up at games, you're very prepared. You've, you've showed up in the morning. You want to talk to players. You want to get stories. Uh, you, you, you ask for – anyway, not to get into the inside baseball, but it's so important, I think, that people, you know, prepare and show that they really want yeah. to do this – because I think there are analysts out there who just show up and they're lucky if they've even combed their hair uh, and, 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 and they just think that, you know, just watching the game is enough. Um, but I think it's so important that, uh, you know, new broadcasts know that the preparation obviously is, is the key. Uh, and, and hey, we could all probably do even more of it than we do. But uh, certainly that's something that uh, you're not short on. Uh, and so I, I commend you on that. And, and when you look at this team, though, We'll, we'll we'll dovetail into the flames a little bit. Have you found that the players have been uh, insightful, or, or or are you finding you know one of the things that we're kind of finding in today's game is they're so guarded with what they say that it's hard sometimes to procure information or stories from them. Yeah, I think one thing that I've really found is that in the scrums you don't get nearly the conversation no. that you do when you're one on one with them. So I've yeah. really enjoyed the players that I've had the opportunity to talk with one-on-one. Um, and I think, you know, something that has worked really well for me is that, you know, I, I'm still playing. And I there's a lot of things that, you know, in terms of experiences or, you know, uh, type of play or, you know, losing a game and what that feels like. Um, you know, I can relate to that. And we can all relate to it in, in one sense or another. And I think that as soon as the players feel like, A, you're on their side, um, and B, that, you know, it, it's kind of a safe space to open up to you a little bit, um, I think that, like, I've gotten some really, really great answers. Um, and w- one of my favorite interviews on the team was uh, Coleman. Like, he was, and I know that, Uh, a number of broadcasters and analysts have talked about like how great he is and just the insight that you're given. But yeah, I would say that's one of the biggest things is that in the scrum, you don't, you don't get nearly what you get uh, when you have a one-on-one conversation with them. But I think that's a natural thing. And I think even at that, at the end of the day, the only people that know what's going on with that team and in that dressing room are the players. It's the players. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. so, 
you know, if there's key messaging that, uh, you know, is, is being, you know, sent out across the board or, you know, that, that they're, you know, kind of being told to, to communicate or, you know, whatever it may be, at the end of the day, we're never getting the full story. So I think yeah. that that's always something that I, I try to keep in mind is it is our job to analyze and, and to try to figure out what is going on. But we never really know. We never really know. Yeah, they only tell us what they want to tell us for sure. You yeah, you can yeah, read between the exactly. lines sometimes that, you know, you can read the mood in the room. You can read between what they say, you know, if, if perhaps somebody tore a strip off, you know, a teammate got mad. But you, you, you're right. You've got it. Plus, also, it takes time to build those relationships for someone to really tell you what's going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And, uh, you know, there is a Elliot Friedman put in his 32 thoughts today that uh, things boiled over on Saturday with Nazem Kadri not being happy with playing 12 and 13 minutes in respective games. He will be getting two better line mates today, and I would bet he's going to get a lot more ice time tonight, too. Uh, he's going to play alongside Dubé and Pelche tonight. Both come with tons of energy and speed, and uh, it's a great opportunity for him to turn his game around. What are your thoughts on when you hear that things boiled over uh, with Nazem Kadri Saturday after you know basically being stapled to the bench for the bulk of – and I don't think he played in overtime either. Yeah, I think I was I was a little bit surprised only because the last interview that I had watched of Nazem Kadri, he was talking about um, he was asked how he feels he's played since the All Star break, uh, and he said that he feels like he's a pretty consistent player. You know that you just need to stick with it, and things will start to go your way. And you know he's obviously like a few more bounces and pucks going in, but um, that the amount of ice time he's being given is out of his control and that whenever he steps on the ice, he'll be ready to go. So that was the last interview that I had watched of him. So when I, I read, uh, you know, Elliot's comments about him, I was like, okay, well, a, a bit surprising in that sense, but not surprising because, you know, if I'm Nazem Kadri, I'm probably, you know, frustrated too. And that's a good example of, you know, if, you know, that was a, a picture that he painted in the media of, you know, I'm good, stick with it out of my control you know those are all things that are kind of common lines to put out there yep. um but if, if you're Kadri, you're, you're probably frustrated um and it's an emotional game obviously there's a lot of emotions on this team right now uh in the situation that they're in it's very high pressure so you know if there is a reaction like that um you know i'm not surprised so i think you know the big the big takeaway is is going to be looking at what he brings tonight. You know, what type of yeah. emotional response, but also what he brings in terms of his play. Because um, I think, uh, you know, I think he does, he needs to take it up a notch here. And I think Millsy mentioned earlier that, you know, an element of his game that he, he really needs to bring is that, you know, that grit. And I, I couldn't agree more in what Millsy said that he needs to be, you know, he needs to bring that. And I think he needs to be a little bit more of a menace, but I also think that he needs to he needs to start producing more as well. Yeah, and I thought what Millsy said was also very apt when he said, "If if Kadri did get a little mad and things boiled over Saturday, that's exactly what Daryl Sutter wanted." And so uh, exactly. we'll see we'll see what what comes from that in tonight's game. Listen, I want to get into uh, so much with you. Amazing race! You were an amazing race. <laughs> I I was watching it. 
<laughs> so I, I want to get into that, but we have no time. So we're going to have you back, and we're going to talk a little bit about the amazing race and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, thank you for your time today. And uh, I don't know if you're doing the broadcast on Thursday with me, but I look forward to uh, seeing you back at the rink real soon here. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be on with you next week. The okay. Next, uh, I think against the Kings on the 28th. So we'll see, we'll see you then. Thanks for having me on. Okay. Thanks, Megan. I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Okay, right. there she is. Megan, you too. Megan Mickelson, she joins us on the Atlas Pizza uh, guest hotline. And, uh, yeah, she'll be joining us. Tonight, It's uh, we're going to have a special guest in the first intermission. Uh, Lanny McDonald is going to join us on the broadcast. Uh, so another reason to uh, tune in tonight and see what the local heroes do uh, in terms of their race for that final playoff spot. Okay, you've been listening to the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18+. plus. Please play responsibly. We will be back next week with two more storytellers, two more guests, starting at noon every single Monday right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, make sure you tune in tonight. Calgary Flames puck drop here in L.A. against the L.A. Kings. Puck drop at 8.30. Pre-game show starts at 7.30 with Pat and the boys. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.